Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our city. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Let me just, if you're listening to this right now, first of all, let me say thank you. Let me say thank you because this team fucking sucks. And I am sick and tired of watching this fucking baseball team. So if you're watching the Red Sox and then you're like, hey, I need more of that. and You're coming here. Like, I'm sure that there's other Red Sox podcasts, other baseball podcasts that you could be listening to. The fact that you chose us, thank you, because I am sick and fucking tired of this goddamn baseball team ruining my day ruining my week ruining my month ruining my summer it i'm sick of it i'm absolute but tyler's hey tyler's here yeah listen through all odds i'm battling the wi-fi down the cape mm-hmm. um i've been going through a change i got gel in my hair right now i'm, I'm on a different level i'm feeling like miami millican thank you yeah um so so let me know what you think. But uh, yeah, it was real tough. You know, you're talking about your days getting ruined, your weekends getting ruined. My vacation's been ruined. I yeah. just watched what happened to Brian Bayo. Almost spit out my dinner. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But just just to continue to set the scene, we have Tyler Milliken on vacation down the Cape, and he's still setting aside time to podcast about this godforsaken baseball team. I woke up this morning, recorded Baseball is Dead, Finished recording it, emailed my audio to Jake, broke down my podcast studio, got in the fucking truck. My dad was already downstairs. He drove me to the airport, walked into JetBlue because my email said uh, my flight was JetBlue, put in the record locator, and then it says your flight is actually American Airlines. And I was like, oh, uh, that's in a completely different terminal. So then I walk over to this person. And I was like, hey, 
um my email says my flight is JetBlue, but uh my the 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 machine over here is telling me that it's american airlines so she goes oh uh go to the help desk right here and they'll tell you what to do and i look at this help desk and the line is as long as the line for like space mountain on school vacation week and it's not moving like if i had stayed i would still be standing in that line if i actually (laughs) got in that line i would still be there right now so i go outside have a mental breakdown on the phone with my mom i'm just like and and one of my friends makes fun of me for this all the time because i don't ever call my mom for a solution it's always just a bitch like i don't want her to help me i just want her to hear how fucking terrible my luck is i just need to document how shitty my life is so i'll just call her and just uh, unload on this poor woman explaining the situation and so then she's like why don't you go find someone inside and see if they can help you and i was like well that's i just did that i just asked someone what to do and they told me to stand in this fucking eight thousand hour line to get to a desk for them to probably say well i don't know go to the next terminal so i go back oh, to the i just original. picture you screaming at your mother in front of these people outside the airport oh, yeah. <laughs> like, don't give me no fucking solutions yeah just yeah. tell me it's gonna be okay and let me keep it fucking moving yeah just feel bad for me that's really all i needed in this time like that like one of my ex-girlfriends used to say that like i would have a problem and she would be like do you want comfort or a solution and i'd be like i comfort i, I, I just recently I've recently learned about this because I'm very solution based. You tell me your problem and I tell you what I think you can do to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, to me, all I ever want is someone to fi- figure out my problem. Tell me what yeah. I can do that will improve my situation. Martha, she's like, don't talk. Just listen. Just nod your head. Just pretend like, you know, you're taking it all in and you just want to hear my thoughts. I'm very bad at it, but you're a lot like Martha. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just want comfort. I don't want a solution. I, I want to wallow in misery and just just we can talk about it so then i go back to this original person and i was like hey uh this like where is american airlines because it's apparently that's where my flight is now and it's a completely different terminal she's like oh there's a tunnel right there that you can walk down that just goes to the the other terminal i was like why didn't you say that a half an hour ago when i told you that i had jet blue and then it got switched to american so now i'm hauling ass to American Airlines and my suitcase is fucking heavy as shit because I have all my podcast stuff in there. So I'm just lugging this big ass suitcase, get to the other terminal, check the bag, the whole deal just to find out, oh, lo and behold, my flight's delayed. And then it gets delayed oh again. My. And then it gets delayed again. It got delayed four times, four times because the the air or whatever, like the weather in Chicago is bad. So then finally get on the plane fucking fly there and i'm like all right i'll get a taxi to my hotel how long is the fucking taxi oh it's an hour it's an hour drive in the fucking taxi to get to the hotel and we're just we are in bumper to bumper traffic for an hour and this cab driver is just going gas break gas break gas break and i'm I'm like bro my fucking neck already hurts as it is and you're just like like it would it would have been comparable to going to a Slipknot concert and headbanging in the mosh pit for a fucking hour. 
without having a choice. Like you didn't have a choice in the matter. Like I, I was basically just fucking headbanging in the backseat of this taxi cab for an hour until I get to my hotel, walk in the door, set up the same fucking podcast equipment that I used this morning. And now we're fucking, we're doing name redacted to talk about a Red Sox team that just got fucking swept to lose what? Six straight, five straight, six straight. Five straight. Five straight. Might as well be six straight. Probably going to fucking lose tomorrow, too. Are they playing tomorrow? Yes, unfortunately. They're going to fucking lose that game, too, Tyler. So, God damn it. I am in a foul mood. I uh, obviously haven't eaten dinner. Took me nine and a half hours to get to my destination. Um, Just to set up to talk about a team that I have absolutely no interest in talking about jake how do you how do you feel about the red sox right now well, you were at the game how how was your experience of watching brian bayo no hit the marlins for seven innings just to lose the game yeah i was there wednesday for the rain delay i was there tonight for bayo your stud ace just going out there and shoving and you can't score a fucking run for him it's just the fact that i even went to either of these games is just so stupid <laughs> I gave them my money, but <laughs> just so yeah, it just fucking sucks to watch this team right now. It sucks. Like I, I'm not having fun. Like, I, like that's the conversation that I had with my dad on the way to the airport. Was I was like, I'm not having fun. Like I, I, I am not having fun. I think in 2015, when the Red Sox were in last place, it's like, yeah, they were in last place again, back to back year, which is what we're dealing with a second consecutive last place season. Um. But at least in 2014, it was like Mookie Betts came up and you had Jackie Bradley and Xander Bogarts was there. Like you saw the core was forming, like the next championship core was forming in 2014 and around that time. And then into 2015, they were starting to, you know, whatever. And you were you were one year away from a uh, first place division title and en route to three consecutive division titles, which had never happened in franchise history at that point. Then uh, you had the Pablo Sandoval drama, which was I mean, yes, it was bad, but it was fun. Like that was entertaining. Like that was a that was a huge podcast storyline in 2015 was the, the Pablo Sandoval theatrics uh, this year. No, you're just in last place again. They're boring as fuck. I'm not entertained. Uh, like the American League is better than it we've ever seen. So you're not only not, you know, you're mediocre, but you're sitting in a spot where the chances of you climbing in the division or even the wild card feel almost impossible. It doesn't feel like you're even in the league of multiple teams that are in front of you. And no. that's where you sit there and you question that gap, right? Like, it's like, damn, the gap feels so wide. And then you on top of it, like I'm watching Tristan Casas sit for the second fucking day in a row, dude. We're sitting here in a midseason where you know you're not going to win anything. You can't at least let me watch the young first baseman, one of your best prospects in recent memory, a top 30 prospect. You can't let me watch him in two games in this series. Two no. games. Please let me watch the guy who's been one of the best hitters on the team this whole month. Jaron Duran, like. Thank you. One of the few guys who actually had a hit in the series for an RBI in that ninth inning. Another guy we're not seeing like, I need to see the young talent. Let that play. What was the most exciting thing about the series? Brian Bayo. Instead, we're watching the same kind of mediocrity where you have like, you know, I'm watching Justin Turner play first base again. Do you, obviously, Costas has his limitations there. We're seeing them. He's working through them. Is watching Justin Turner there any fucking better for anyone? It's clearly not. No. And I think I think what we're probably going to see as the team gets towards the trade deadline, like 
you'll see plenty of Casas and plenty of Duran because they're going to trade Duvall. They're going to trade Turner. They're going to trade Kenley. Like, that's where we're going. Like, that's where we're headed. And uh, very opposite end of the spectrum of positivity, Horn. Like, that's where we're headed. And that's where we should be heading. Like, that's what makes sense for next year. They've always told you this was the route they were going to go. And the reality is like, yeah, it's June 29th. It feels like where they were a week and a half ago going into that weekend series in New York. It was like, all right, they're one more bad series from this kind of falling through on them and it being very clear which direction they're going to go. It's better it happens now than whatever happened last year where they clung and got to the deadline and in August it fell through. It's better for it to fall through now. And it's just you look around and you say, well, you're being negative. Like, oh, what happened? How'd you get here so quickly? You've taken more injuries. Where's the boost coming? There's no boost around the corner here that you can cling to. You know, we're smiling here because we got good Chris Sale news that may make him back by what? Mid-August? <laughs> like, like, that's what we're smiling about. That's the reality of it. And you're sitting here praying for Yu Chang, who's at least another 10 or so days away. And that's not going to fix your offense. Who which the hasn't... fuck is praying for you, Chang? Well, no, but to have something dependable at shortstop instead of, no. you know, David Hamilton, who the Red Sox are pretending play. can play shortstop still when care. everyone told them ahead of time. No, he can't. Like burn you're hoping for just decent defense. Yeah, burn it to the ground. I, I, uh, I, I texted Kevin, Kevin Clancy, and I said, I am dangerously close to counseling uh, the Red Sox season. And he said, why? What happened? He's like, usually like there's something that happens where you're just like, ah, fuck this. Cancel, console, console decision. And um, I mean, Brian Bayo having a no hitter through seven and then losing that game um, and him getting the loss. Like, I think it would have been different if it's like, all right, he completes seven no hit innings and then, you know, fucking whoever goes out there in the eighth inning and gives it up and then they get the loss. That stings a lot less. Um, either way, well, what like, what came out of this series besides Brian Bale being a stud and but it's like it, you still can't even enjoy that because then you have the image of him on the top step of the dugout looking out there as his inherited run scores and in in deep down like so on the positive end of the spectrum when he gives up the hit in the eighth inning right no hitters over he's just like looking at his guy all right who where double play who, who's got me here and he's just focused on the win he doesn't give a fuck there was no sight of disappointment that he just lost his no hitter he was like all right we got a fucking turn two here we're gonna get out of this inning we're gonna get back in the dugout bats are gonna start going and we're gonna win this ball game that's not what happened inherited runner scores He's now on the hook for the loss after no hitting this team through seven. And then the Red Sox score zero runs. Kenley goes out there. Alex scores trying. He's like, I'm going to put my closer out there, even though we're down by one to try and keep it to one. So we can try and walk this thing off in the bottom of the ninth. Kenley gives up the bomb to jazz Chisholm. And it's, and I mean, I don't, I, I didn't have any confidence in the Red Sox. Once, once you got to the ninth and you hadn't scored a run, you ain't scoring a run. Like that's, that's just the way that things have gone. But the second Jazz Chisholm hits that home run off of Kenley, it might as well have been a walk-off home run uh, as a road team. That game was fucking over the second that Jazz well, Chisholm hits that home run. You add in the fact in the eighth inning when you're sitting there and this offense has been dead as fuck, you know, you score three runs in a friggin' series. Really, we go back May 17th, you've been the 20th worst offense in terms of weighted runs created plus for over a month now. That's six-week sample there for you. Same six-week sample, the rotation's been the fifth best in baseball. Gene Segura shits his pants 
He makes an error. It's like you're looking for a break if you're the Red Sox and you get it. And guess yeah. what happens? You can't do anything with it. And there's bad managerial moments in there where for some reason you put David Hamilton in the game. Why the fuck isn't he sailing second earlier? Like, this is the fastest guy on the team. He's faster than Duran. He glides out there. You don't send him. Instead, you try to sacrifice with Connor Wong, pops it up, and then the two guys on the lineup who you can depend on to make contact for Dugo Turner strike out. Like, talk about just every sense of the way. There's headaches, and there's things to complain about and be upset about. Yep. But it all piles on. When you don't fucking hit the baseball, everything else becomes a problem, and this team hasn't hit the baseball consistently outside of six-game stretch for six weeks. I'm over it. I'm over it. We're still going to watch. We're still going to talk about the fucking okay. games. But like, I feel like this this podcast, uh, I'm, like I said, we're still going to talk about the games. But I think the primary focus now becomes broader. Like we're not talking about the playoffs. We're not talking about uh, can the Red Sox write the ship. We're not talking about any of that because I, I don't even give a fuck about the day to day anymore. It's it's what do they do with the trade deadline? It's where's the light at the end of the tunnel? It's how do they get back to being a competitive franchise? Because right now they're an unserious franchise. My question to you would be there are two games under 500 right now. Mm-hmm. Now you're mid, you're right about there. Is it too early now? Are you saying this because you're like in the next two weeks, this is going to go completely off the rails or are you more just upset that they're going to float around this 500 mark all year? Cause I yeah. think if you're saying they're they're going to float around the 500 mark, isn't that kind of like what they are to some degree? I think if the yeah. ground falls through, then you're going to hear me start to say there and be like, fuck this team. I can't do it right now. They're a little worse than I thought they'd be, but they're right there. I'm concerned that in the next couple of weeks, the floor is falling through because I, I just don't there. know where the I'm hell's coming. No, no, no. I'm not there. I don't think that they're going to just completely shit the bed. It, they're just as likely to lose the next five as they are to win the next five. Like, that, that's and that's who they the are. Way, yeah, that's who they are. That's why I think they're just going to they're going to flounder around 500 the rest of the way, uh, which again it's like, well, isn't that what they are? Well, no, I picked them to win 86 games. I thought that they would be somewhere in the middle and then they would hit their stride and and make it interesting. They're not making it interesting. They're not like they, they're two games under 500. Um, I think that some of the guys that have overperformed have come back down to earth. Uh, some of the guys that you expected to be great have not been great, like Rafael Devers. Um, Chris Sale getting hurt. Really, really. Schreiber. Hurt. Yep. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that you can point to for not necessarily why they're not good, but why they're not going to take off. And if you're holding out hope for Trevor Story to rejoin this team and somehow that's the rocket that they strap to their ass and then take it to the moon, I don't like he he's a good player. He's not that player. He's not he's not the guy that he's not he's not like an MVP caliber player. He's a good player. He's a very good player. But he's you're not that guy. And and he he will probably be the first to tell you that. Like, you know, yes, I can come back and I can stabilize the defense at shortstop. I can probably hit you some home runs. Uh, I can drive in some runs. That's going to make a positive impact. But it's not the difference of the Yankees getting back Aaron Judge. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I think the difference with story is kind of what we've seen when they've settled in with a shortstop. Like when you had that Yu Chang stretch where you went on a winning streak. What was the other winning streak you went on once you made that change? It was Pablo Reyes, right? Those are the two. I think that's where they could say, all right, we're a team that's closer to a better couple games better than 500 than a couple games under. I think where you are right now is like you're one more bad injury from this getting really bad. Yeah. Like if you if you lose one more starter, like we'll talk about Danielson and Lamette today, but like. Th- that's where you are right now. We're going to talk you know, about Denelson Lamette. Did you just uh, like, he's a Denelson Lamette segment? 
what else choice do you have? Pedro Martinez is making the friggin' call, but that's where they are, where they're like are pressing on that, these signings. That fucking detail yeah. of it, because Pedro Martinez, oh, remember when Pedro told John Henry to go get David Ortiz? Let me tell you right now. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, Tyler. Denelson Lamette, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, he's not gonna be the David Ortiz of of pitching signings. Shut mm-hmm. the fuck, dude. Are you even a Sox fan, bro? Do you, you, do you even like fucking care? Fucking like this. Like, come on, kid. Bro, Please. I am. I I, I think. And I'll admit, I'll admit, okay, hand up. I'm going to be honest with you right now. Is part of my disgust about the Boston Red Sox, is that because I'm tired and exhausted and burnt out professionally? Uh, yes. yes. I think that that is a contributor. Yes. I think uh, part of my disdain towards this team has to do with a bad travel day and having a very full plate uh, career-wise. Yes. I do think that that's part of it. but. You strip away that, and it's still a disappointing 2019 where you were talented enough to maybe not go back-to-back, but you could have gone back-to-back or at least threatened going back-to-back. That didn't come close to happening. 2020 was an abomination, but I'm happy it was abomination because you got Marcelo Meyer because of it. Punt season. We all would have sat here and been like, yeah, you know, if, they, if, they, if the Red Sox won the World Series in 2020, like, the Dodgers hadn't won it since 88, okay? Like, you hadn't itched that scratch you haven't scratched that itch in in a long time so fine you you want to celebrate that that's fine i think red sox fans would have felt differently about it It would have been like the bastard child of the five world series titles that we would have had um 21 that was a nice little surprise you came up for air that was the come up for air year you still fell short but we didn't expect to get that far in the first place Last year, fucking terrible. This year, fucking terrible. And when I say terrible, do I mean that the record's bad? No, I just mean it's not fun. Like, it's not enjoyable baseball. But, like, the the difference is, like, when we talk 2022, right? Like, that 78-win season is terrible because you had championship aspirations, right? Like, that was a team you went over the luxury tax. You added Trevor Story right before the year started. That team was supposed to compete for World Series, and they doubled down on it. This year, it is a little different for me at times, and I, I don't feel as much pain as I did with last year's team because I know how they believe in this team. Their words may say one thing. Their actions have proved another. They're under the luxury tax. They've talked about the young players needing to take step forwards. Uh, Heim Bloom did an interview with Ian Brown that just came out over the last couple of days, and he talked about it. He's like, what's the best thing about the team this year? It's the young guys. It's watching them develop. That's what this team's about. Um, and he kind of reemphasized that, and that's what I kind of cling to. But yeah, it sucks because this team has more potential than the way they're playing. I think we all well, see it right now. On that same note, right? If if the comp is 2014 and that's the year, it's like, all right, first full season of Jackie, first full season of Xander. Here comes Mookie Betts. And you want to make that comp to 2023 with Bayo, with Whitlock, with Hauk. It's like, well, Whitlock, everyone is now freaking out about, which we'll, we'll get to that in a second. And I think my take will probably surprise you, Tyler. Uh but people are already like fucking put put Whitlock back in the bullpen. Oh, dude, you should have saw my freaking mentions. Like, and I, I did not well, say. Hold on, hold on. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. into it. We'll, we'll get, get there. It. We'll get there. Uh, people are already freaking out about Whitlock, and which kind of in the same way, people did that about Bogarts in 2014. They moved mm-hmm. Bogarts from shortstop to third base. You had Stephen Drew at short. Uh, and then, you know, you look at the Tanner Houck situation, and that's not his fault that he got a comebacker to the face, but the motherfucker just had surgery to put a plate in his goddamn face uh, yesterday, the day before, whatever it was. Happy birthday, Tanner Houck, by the way. I think today's his birthday. Is that true today? Yeah, I think it's his birthday today. 
Happy I feel like I saw that on. I must be thinking of someone else that I saw on Twitter recently. Maybe it was Wink whose birthday was recently. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck's birthday also today. Happy birthday, Bobby Dalbeck. Oh, yeah. Shout out back uh, going back to Worcester. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. I love Bob. I would die for Bob. I would take a bullet Great guy. for Bob. What happened to Bullet? Uh, he died. He did die. Mm. You're right. Um, I could say something mean, but I'm not going to. What? I'm not going to say it because I'm a, I'm a classy guy. What, are you going to shit talk uh, a three-year-old girl? No, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I was going to shit talk Bobby Delvick, but uh, uh, yeah, don't I'm do not going to do that. It's his birthday. It's his birthday. No. Happy birthday. Big birthday guy. Happy birthday, Bobby Dalbeck and Tanner Houck. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I am uh, emotionally no longer invested in this team. I'm not, which I hate to admit because it's a bad business strategy, right? Like we want Red Sox fans to care about the Red Sox because if they care about the Red Sox, then they care about this show. But I'm just being transparent and honest. I don't have an emotional attachment to this team. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people that feel the same way. And when I mean the team, you're not saying the organization, right? Like you're still like, I'm still going to watch all 162. Like I love the Red Sox. I don't love the 2023 Red Sox. I just don't. Like there's nothing grabbing me outside of every fifth day I get to watch Brian Bayo and I know that I'm seeing something special and I know that I'm like out of everyone that they've sold us on being the next piece of a Red Sox championship core. The only one that I truly believe is guaranteed to be a part of that is Brian Bayo. And you may be wondering, what do you mean? You don't believe in Tristan Casas? I do. I do believe in Tristan Casas, but I also am reading between the the lines here that I mean, we we had the story in the athletic where, you know, the the coaches are like, what the fuck? Like work on your footwork, like you're talking about your footwork, but you don't work on it. And there there seems to be like some sort of friction between player and team. They might just be like, all right, you know, like if someone else sees it, then here you go. We can trade him for pitching. Like I, I don't think that it's a guarantee. Whoa. Yeah. I don't uh, think it is that no, it's not have you heard form. that? No. Interesting. No. But I'm just saying, like, if if you were to ask me to power rank who is the Red Sox are going to win the World Series in 2026, who can you bet your bottom dollar is still going to be here? I got Brian Bayo on that list, and I don't know that I have anyone else guaranteed to be on that list, right? Yeah, it's hard, right? Like you, the Garrett Whitlock conversation, what we've seen in the last couple starts, Tanner Houck, who knows, as a reliever or starter. I, I think a lot of these guys will be there in some capacity, especially on the pitching end. And trades are going to happen. So, you know, this is connecting a lot of dots. The Tristan Costa stuff, it just, it to me, feels like there's a constant. And I don't know if it's core trying to send a message to Costas and being like, and it feels like whenever he has one of these games, that awful play or not awful, but it was a, he didn't get charged for an error. But the Joey Wendell ball that popped up on him right in the fourth inning of the first game, it's ugly. It, it seems like Cora's tried to send a message with that kind of stuff. And I'm just I understand the frustration. But when you don't really have better options there and you need a young player like that doesn't seem like a lack of effort thing. We're watching and put in the work pregame. Are we not? Like you're watching this guy, you're telling me you thought he was a gold glover when he came up and your coaching isn't getting him where he needs to go. I've never heard Tristan Casas isn't willing to be coached. He may go and give a response that says, hey, I believe in what I do and yada yada. Have I ever heard anything of the guy not willing to put the work in? No, Fuck no. I've actually heard the complete opposite. So I've that's where the I sit there. Complete opposite. I've seen the complete the- opposite. Last night was the rain delay, right? That was last night. So Correct. last night, I don't know if you saw this because I don't know that it was on TV, but during the rain delay. And that's not to say that other guys aren't doing their own work behind the scenes, but Casas was the only guy out on the field getting loose. But when they were about to take the tarp off, 
and he wasn't even in the lineup. He was like getting loose, even though he wasn't even guaranteed to play in this game. And that that stuff stands out to me. Like, I don't think that it's it's not a lack of effort when it comes to Casas. Like the guy cares like he wants to be good. He wants to be elite. Um, They fucking deleted the interview with Casas that we had on Section 10. But when we when we interviewed him day, like for a couple days after the draft, that's who he, he is. Was, he was talking about being the greatest. Like he wanted he like he's motivated. And I feel like that still shows itself. But I, I think it's a combination. It's a it, it's a it, you're crossing paths of I want to be great, but I want to do it my way. And I am doing it my way, which I feel like you kind of you do have to learn to adjust and be like, all right, these guys probably know more than me, which is not always the case. Like talk to a guy like Josh Donaldson and he'll tell you like, yeah, coming up through the minors, you know how many guys told me to hit the ball down, like swing down. And he's like, no, you swing up, like hit homers, like hit the ball in the gap. So, yeah, it's not a perfect system where you can be a young player who doesn't want to listen to your coaches. And that means that you are. Uh, and insubordinate or you're just tough to coach or you're uncoachable. If you believe in your process, then stick to your process. It's, it's worked before Josh Donaldson won an MVP telling coaches to fuck off. Like that's, that's the truth. And we've watched, I think with Tristan Casas, one of the things that always impresses me with a young player is like, how many guys have a bad first month and it just snowballs and it's like a whole bad year. And you're like, Oh shit. Like you got to throw that one away and try again. Tristan Casas had a horrendous, April slash March where he looked completely unlike the guy that we had talked about. Then it got a bit better in May. He became a above league average hitter. And then this month he's taken off. Don't you kind of sit there and say, all right, well, this guy has shown he's responded through adversity before he's shown he can kind of battle through it. Even when we called him out, he started hitting more and more. And yeah, they called him out for defense, but to continue to show up and not dwell on it. That speaks to me. That That's a guy I look at and I say, all right, Keep pushing him. Let him go out there. Let him take those bruises and bumps. Because I remember there was a time, you know, back in 2014, where players and coaches looked at JBJ and Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts weirdly. And we're like, oh, these guys, they're young. They're the next comers. You got to be willing to understand this is some of the growing pains that happen with a young player. I don't care that you want to give Casas a break against a lefty here and there. Sure, that's fair, especially a tough one. Is he supposed to be a platoon bat for the rest of his fucking life? Like, this isn't a team pushing for a championship. At the end of the day, he needs to face lefties. If this is the guy you waited years on and you bet on him, he needs to face a lefty. Like, or he's just, what is he going to be? Your next platoon guy? That's absurd to me. That is bad for development. I understand trying to win. Well, guess what? Whatever you fucking ran out yesterday and you scored two runs and it got you down 0-2 in this series, when you need a run that badly, when the offense has been dead for some time and you're sitting one of the hottest hitters on your team, that's a bad fucking look. Mm. it'd be one thing if Turner was playing great defense or anything like that he doesn't you're pushing him you're pushing a 38 year old guy out there more and more you have a first baseman in Casas let him keep hitting he's been one of the few bats you can depend on and I and I still think below Bayo I, I have so much faith in Casas still I, I think the bat what we've seen this month is a lot closer to what we're gonna see and I, I'd probably put Whitlock at two Casas would be my number three if you're talking guys that I can pencil in and say that are gonna be here for you know a 2026 World Series or whatever it may be. Jake, where are you at on um, <clears throat> the usage or lack thereof of uh, Tristan Casas in the series, kind of given the circumstances? Because I I feel like it's not like a... I mean, at least tonight when you saw like Lazardo, like lefty-lefty, because that's why we didn't see Duran either. But um, 
like having back-to-back days off doesn't unless there's something that we don't know right like like if there's something barking there's something barking like i, I don't know but where, where are you at on that jake yeah like back-to-back days feels excessive especially at this point when like you're four and a half out of the wild card and like people are going to fenway right now and they just want to see young guys like that playing and it's tough like i don't want to see fucking any slapdick out there just booting balls all over the infield like i want to watch like the guys that are supposedly going to be cornerstone players in the future so yeah i would definitely love to see the young guys in there more like especially at this point like, yeah we're watching david hamilton why is it infuriating because the guy's on a fucking shortstop he's not everyone's knowing he's not a shortstop he's faking it out there and they're at this point in their depth casas is a guy you have spent so much time waiting for and building on and he's showing you something he's showing you more than something and you're just like yeah Whatever, go sit your ass on the bench another day. I'm sure that's a great way to treat a guy who's finally figuring it out at the big league level. Go sit down for a couple days and then we'll come back to you and figure it out. Don't worry about ever hitting fucking lefties. Who gives a fuck? Why do you need to hit lefties? That's fucking stupid. Just hit righties and we'll sit there. You can be our platoon bat. Our fucking platoon bat of the future. Great way. Great way to develop, guys. Awesome. Fucking spot on. Like, don't sit here and tell me all this shit about this team. And, you know, Corey, you've told me how many fucking times this year. It's not a great team. They're not a bad team. You're right somewhere in the friggin' middle. Guess what? That means you need to build to become a great team. Are you going to become a great team with Justin Turner playing first base for you? No, you're going to become a great team or a great team with your number friggin' top 30 prospect in baseball becoming the star he's supposed to be. That's how you become a great team. Unless you want to stay mid for the foreseeable future. That's a good rant. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> let me uh, ask you this trivia: How many how many players have played shortstop for the Boston Red Sox this year? In the first half Ooh. of this year, first half. Let's go six, seven. Ooh. Oh, I forgot Bob. <laughs> I'm Bob not counting Bob. He has ten <laughs> ten games at shortstop. He's not even the the player that's played the least amount of shortstop. Hamilton's played seven games at shortstop. Um, no way he played 10 games at shortstop. Uh, Delbeck? Maybe maybe defensively. He had four plate appearances as a shortstop. Uh, and, and Manuel and Manuel and Manuel and Manuel and Manuel and Manuel. Manuel. No, it's it's and Manuel. <laughs> it's it is. And Manuel Valdez one plate appearance as a shortstop. Uh, David Hamilton. 17 plate appearances as a shortstop. Yu Chang, 38. Kike Hernandez, 210. Pablo Reyes, 41. Christian Arroyo, 9. <sighs> Anyways, um, baseball fans, you could be winning every inning with the hottest offers in the game from DraftKings Sportsbook. They've got you covered on uh, from the top of the first to the bottom of the ninth all season long. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can take a shot at bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, place your parlay by combining three or more bets from the same game. Every additional leg gets you an extra boost up to 100%. Step up to the plate right now with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, sign up with the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code Jared. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 
in Kansas. Call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Opt-in and 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. <clears throat> um, we, uh, we're going to end up doing this on Sunday, but we do have... I actually have two segment ideas because I fucking hate this team. So I have two segment ideas. Segment number one, we're bringing back the Red Sox lottery. Woo-hoo! We're bringing back Red Sox lottery starting on Sunday. Um, and segment number two, I don't know how we're going to do it process-wise. Like, I don't know if it's going to be like a only if they win thing. We have so many segments only if they win. Like, we've got like fucking Tyler's haikus. We've got Clark's ketchup, all this shit. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of segments that are dormant during series losses. And the Red Sox just got swept, so there won't be Clark's catch-up again. Did you know that they only won two series in June and they were both the Yankees series? Yeah, th- like that's where you are. This isn't... It's hard to justify. Like, it was nice that six-game winning streak, but you flushed it completely down the fucking toilet. It, this has been bad baseball, especially on one side of the ball, for a long period of time now. It's not a we short are, period. We only drizzled that catch-up twice in the month of June. I haven't re- I haven't wrote a haiku in over a week. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I, I've lost my fucking. I was spitting bars. I got you nothing are, now. You were cooking. You were cooking. <clears throat> but the uh, the new segment that I thought of. Um, it also has us. These are both sponsored. The Red Sox lottery is sponsored by DirecTV, right, Jake? DirecTV. DirecTV sponsored by DirecTV. Uh, and the <laughs> the Red Sox call of the week. We're gonna have we're gonna talk to each other, Jake, me, you, and uh, we're gonna come up with the the call of the week um, from the broadcast. Hmm. And that is brought to you by BlackBerry. So we will be doing the call the call of the week on the podcast. I think that's a good idea because I don't know. I'm I'm a little scared at the same time, though. Shout All out right. to the Nesson broadcast. They do a lot of good things. As we get farther along here, I think there's been winning streaks where we've talked. And, you know, Dave, can we can we get a little can we get a little bit more? What's going well, to happen? You know, it doesn't have to be that like it. Like when Bill Burr was on the broadcast uh, and he was talking about killing his wife, like that's funny. Like he could. He, that could be the call of the week. It could just be something that somebody said. We're going to need Bill Burr in the booth a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to need that for those uh, Lamette starts. Well, I think also the the fans can submit for a call of the week. They can be like, that's a call of the week candidate. That's fair. That's fair. Doesn't have tra- to be just our opinion. Be fans Is there any it. calls from the last week that come to mind? <clears throat> no. Need to win some games for that. Got to win some games. Got to win some games. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah. Also, um, people were asking. People were asking, what was it, Tuesday? 
Clay Buckholtz was at Fenway. Throughout the first pitch before the game. I was in the dugout. Mm. Clay Buckholtz was in the dugout. What happened? You guys, you guys question. continue the makeup. The answer to that question may shock you. <clears throat> Nothing happened. <clears throat> I don't think he recognized me. I don't think he recognized, or maybe he did. I don't know. But uh, I think Millar was obviously the buffer there. Millar was in the dugout uh, earlier with his kids. And then his kids went in the outfield to go shag during BP. And I think Millar went on the third base dugout side to do intentional talk. And then Clay was uh, on the dirt for batting practice. And then when batting practice was over, he came down into the dugout and I was in the dugout. But I don't think like we didn't even make eye contact. So I really don't think like maybe he did. know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Either he did or he didn't. But um, the last update before that was that um, uh, like Millar had randomly FaceTimed me. It was either last summer or the summer before. I can't remember. But it was la- maybe last summer. I don't know. Millar had FaceTimed me and I answered and it was Clay. And then like we had a verbal exchange where, you know, burying the hatchet. So that's why I would think like he can't. He probably didn't see me if he came into the dugout and we didn't he like didn't even look at me. So I wasn't going to be the one to approach him and be like, hey, you know, because like we already had the conversation, like we already had like the makeup conversation, so to speak. Uh, but maybe I should have that. Maybe maybe I, maybe that's a regret. Like, do you think I sh- do you think that I should have been the one to go up to him and say hi? I feel like it's because I was the one that was an asshole. I feel like it's his place to say hi versus me go up to him. I don't know. It, it seemed it seemed like somewhat of a special night for him. First time being back at Fenway since he retired. So I don't blame you for not wanting to be up his ass or whatever it may be. Yeah, he was with his family. I think, he was like taking pictures of his kids in the dugout. Like, it, I'm not going to like. It, you don't want to be that guy. Where no. I would say now, though, is the fact that he's returned to Fenway. Said hello, like kind of, you know, this is Boston. This is where I made most of my career, my legacy. Maybe that continues to open the door towards looking back on those memories. Like he's already flipping through the scrapbook a little bit now. Why not do it with me? Or, you know, with Jared in this case. Why can't we have that conversation? And if you're willing to say hello to the fans, come say hello to the fans in another way. Yeah. You don't even have to leave your house. The reason I think why he was so uh, upset with me was because he was he was a Barstool fan. So he was like, I you made it so that I couldn't look at my favorite website anymore because you were like shitting on me. And so like I used to be like a diehard Barstool fan. And then I would go to the, my favorite website and see horrible things about me. So I stopped going like you ruined that for me. And I was like, that makes sense. <clears throat> I was like, I, you know, I, I get why you'd be mad. And, and you know, I've, I have, I have uh, tried to walk that one back for a long time now. Cause I just didn't understand. Like I didn't understand uh, the inner workings of uh major league clubhouse. I didn't, uh, I just kind of assumed that if a guy was not good, that the other players on the team were like, well, that guy sucks. Like, he's not good like us. But they they all loved him. So, like, that's why, you know, shit wasn't, uh, shit wasn't cool back in the day. So, I've... Uh, but, hey, you're a younger dude. You can come out and say, like, that was part of the learning process, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that something learning. I learned just being around the dugout, being around players, talking to players. 
Yeah. You took those bumps. I think anyone can say, all right, like, look at who you are now. Look at the connections you've made. It's clear that you've understood the dynamic and what it takes sure. to have those relationships. Sure. And I think it, the part of it, too, was like the Pablo Sandoval thing where like crushing Pablo Sandoval. It's like, here's a guy that sucks. I'm going to crush him. So then now my brain is learning like, oh, if you crush the guy that sucks, like that's going to elevate you. Like people are going to think that that's funny. You're going to be the edgy badass that can say things about players that other people in the media can't say. And I'm sure for a lot of people, I don't know that anyone outside of like Hanley and Poppy liked Pablo. Like I, I don't think that he was very popular in that clubhouse, or at least it doesn't seem that way since the number of players that have come out since then and been like, yeah, fuck that guy. Whether, whether publicly or privately, uh, even with the Giants, like his World Series teammates were like, fuck that guy. Um, but it just wasn't the same dynamic with with Clay. Like, the, it's like, yeah, he sucks, but he's he's a good guy and we like Clay. So that was uh, that was a learning experience for me. But that that podcast interview, I, I hope that it still comes to fruition someday. Even just like, you know, uh, on Monday when I was down the Cape with the born Braves and I did like the first pitch for the born Braves with salty. And it's like, you know, you like these it's when I'm in the Red Sox dugout and Caleb Ort just gives me the side eye. Like we like make eye contact for a split second and then he looks away and then keeps walking. It's just so different with active players versus like, I can talk to Salty like he's just he's just a normal guy. And like a lot of those like like Johnny Gomes, like being at my house watching like that's a World Series championship team. Will Middlebrooks came over from my fucking WrestleMania party. These are all major league players that had success at the big league level, won a World Series, and you can just talk to them like they're normal people. But you throw a jersey on a guy and the whole dynamic changes. It's like you you think that you walk on water. And like the last time that Pat Light was on the show. Uh, he talked about that where he was like, yeah, I wish that, you know, he's like, when I was playing, he's like, I I embraced, you know, like fans talking shit or whatever. And, uh, I wish guys weren't so sensitive, but they just are like, they, they just naturally are. But I feel like whenever you retire, you just gain that perspective of it's not that serious. And that doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of life, but. I think that's everybody, though, like when you're not in it yourself or when you can disconnect from yourself, you don't realize it. But I bet there's been times in your life where you were like, holy fuck, like, dog, what I'm going through right now, if you aren't doing what I'm doing, you don't get it like you you do not understand it. And then you get out of it a year or two later. You're like, all right, I was being a little fucking dramatic. You know what I mean? Like I was grinding, but there's people who could relate or understand. And that's why someone like Joe Kelly is like so beloved here because that's the guy who like was like had beef like his same right but also the guy who could be like hey boston fans like dog i love you for shitting on me certain guys certain guys cannot take it and they take it offensively and you know it sticks with them dude i'm young and in this and i've heard things with comments i've made and people are like all right like watch those comments right like that doesn't work it's just it takes a lot of rare builds for some guys to kind of shrug that off or whatever it is. But that's the difference between a lot of the time guys who are made for here and guys who aren't. And some of the guys that become, you know, folklore heroes that we talk about for years and years after they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Kelly's another guy like Joe Kelly went from a dude that had me blocked on Twitter to like 
I would drive him home from the bar <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and we would fucking like, I would drive him home and we would sit outside of his house. Like we were in high school and like talk, talk in the car until fucking two 30 in the morning. And then when it was like, Oh man, time for bed, I'm going to go inside now. Like, <laughs> like shit like that. That's why when, when like the, the Kale board thing happened, I'm like, bro, like just fucking instead of walking by and side eyeing me and whatever and acting all high and mighty, I'm sitting here like there are a lot of people in Boston sports media that talk shit that don't show up. Not only do I show up, I show up multiple times at homestand and they're usually the same days and I'm not just fucking hiding up in the press, but like now down on the field or behind. I'm in the fucking dugout. I'm sitting in there. Have a fucking seat next to me. We'll have a conversation. But that's something that I didn't have available to me back in 2015 with like the Buckholtz stuff and the Sandoval stuff. Not that I would have apologized to Pablo Sandoval. Let's be serious. I would have been like, Oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> I think that that one, that one, we, we've, that one was personal. That, oh, that was yeah. personal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That was personal. I don't think that, uh, I don't anticipate us ever crossing paths outside of, I don't know if you remember this. I don't, did you listen to starting nine? Uh, early. And then I, I would say I fell off. Yeah, so there was, uh, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 18 or 19. Um, Pablo, for charity, was donating a free hitting lesson. (laughs) 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 And Dallas was going to try and be the highest bidder to win it and then sign me up for it. And I think someone on Pablo's side of things, it, uh, it, it had gotten back to him that that Dallas was doing this and they were like, absolutely not. Like this is not happening. So, um, this is like Portnoy trying to have or watch a game with Roger Goodell. And they're like, fuck no, no matter what, like shut this shit down at all costs. Like Dallas was ready to donate 10 grand for something that probably went for like $575. He's like, I I will be the highest bidder for this. And they were like, yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Pal. I just think, like you said, in kind of how you look at players, there's some guys, David Price, who came here and like wasn't scared to kind of answer back and go back and forth with the media while he was here. But I think as he experienced his time, he realized there was a different way you kind of go about it. And, you know, there's still a lot of fans and parts of the fan base that didn't respect him. But by the end, like from an on the field standpoint and what he was able to give to you and say, hey, like. I got all the cards now. That was a guy yeah. to me who kind of said yeah. like, all right, that's the transformation um, in Boston where you see a guy who at first it really, you know, sits a wrong way with him. And at the end of the day, he was like, hey, I realize I did the fucking thing on the field. All of you have to shut your mouth and clap for me at the parade now. <laughs> right. Like, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, it's all about hey, you show up on the field. That's what fans are going to boo or applaud you for. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, I. I respected him so much for that line because it wasn't just David Price finally won a World Series, so it's fuck everyone. Like he struggled in the postseason <clears throat> for multiple organizations. And even though it only lasted for um, maybe a couple of days because Granky ended up surpassing him like within 48 hours for like the most lucrative contract for a pitcher in baseball history. But at the time it's like, yeah, I, I signed the most at the time that I inked the deal. It was the most lucrative contract in baseball history for a pitcher. 
So it comes with all those expectations. And I think the writing was on the wall with Price, where I don't think that he wanted to come here. Like, oh, St. Louis, St. Yeah. Louis, you, they gave me 20 like, million more. More than that. I think that. I yeah. Think what what did it end up being? Was it 40? It was 30? 30? Yeah. It was yeah. So 217 was the final yeah. deal. Yeah. So he he got way more to come here. And I don't think that he wanted to come here. But it was always a great fit. Like, I, I mean, I've, I can memorize the shit now because I talked about it so much at the time when Price signed here. But um, he had outstanding numbers against AL East teams. He had great numbers at Fenway Park. Uh, yada, yada. You go down the line. It was just, you know, the elephant in the room was that he sucks in the playoffs. And he made light of that at the press conference. He's like, I was saving my wins for the Red Sox and blah, 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 blah. And lo and behold, he, he kind of was. He got his shit pushed in against the then Indians in the 16 division series. Um, he was hurt in 17, but he was pretty good. Like he was shut down out of the bullpen against the Astros uh, in 17. And then in 18, he was a god. Uh, he, he gave up that bomb to what, Judge? in the second game of the division series. Like it looked like, oh fuck, here we go again in 18. And then was lights out in uh, uh, Houston. And then in the world series, he pitched a clincher and fucking went eight. <laughs> like That's it. Like, I hold the cars now. Fuck you. David Price is one of those guys. And it's still, I know a lot of people say section 10, like 2018, that was their, their era for young Tyler Milliken, the bunk beds, all that shit. Mm. That was like my like prime era of like hypeness. I saw you get going to the presser, dude, and like the whole back and forth in that moment. Like that to me is like my favorite era of section 10 because it was just like, dude, you were watching you become who you are, right? Like the connections with the Red Sox were linking. That was um, also like Portnoy's first like like Dave knew knew who I was as a Red Sox blogger, but I don't think he really at that point knew what the deal was um, because I remember he was tweeting about it being like, why the fuck? Why is David Price shouting out our Red Sox guy (laughs) at his press conference for like being the the richest pitcher in fucking Red Sox history like that was. uh, David, uh, you've been very active on social media as a player. I'm curious how your interactions with Red Sox fans have changed since this news broke compared to before. You can first of uh, all. Well, it's changed a lot over the years. I mean, uh, Jared and I, we didn't. Well, he wasn't very fond of me, but you know, I never had a problem. But now, you know, the guys ask me to come stay at his house. We'll get bunk, we'll get bunk beds and you know all that type of stuff. You know what's crazy is like that was it. Like the press. That was it. Yeah. The bet. We never like I don't even think I can't remember because he didn't he didn't come around a lot. Like 18 was my first year with press passes. I don't think I ever saw him in the doggo like nothing like he didn't. He was very to himself with the Red Sox. I don't think we saw each other in person again until Dallas and I went to spring training in 2020 and I saw him with the Dodgers. Like he was throwing a bullpen with the Dodgers, finished his bullpen, came over and said hi, and then off he went. And that's the last time I saw him in person. 
And listen, I I don't know if it was because of this, but he just seemed like a guy who never like he wasn't about the drama. And unfortunately, when you come to the city, you get thrown in the drama. There was a reason there was 16 year old Tyler Milliken calling up to Felger and Maz under different names. Because, dude, I remember people were trying to diagnose him with things. They were trying to say he had this or that. Like, oh, he was a head case, all this different stuff. I'm like. Dude, it's David Prikes. Like, we're talking about one of the best pitchers of his generation. Is he the guy he was once was? No, he clearly is on the second half of his career trying to figure it out. Um, and then you had, like, the X stuff, which obviously exploded yeah. and became, you know, a really tough storyline for him, the organization, Eck, you know, followed Pedroia. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I always go back to was how his teammates supported him, backed him Uh and, you know, say what you will. Obviously, I think he has regrets about how that situation played out with Eck. There were a lot of teammates that applauded that situation in that moment. That Those were the reports and the details that came out. He was a guy known to back his teammates no matter what. And did he always go about it the perfect way in that instance? Probably not. But his teammates loved him. That was a guy who, no matter what, was a leader in that clubhouse and was kind of the the lead of a staff that you need during those stretches, along with the Chris Sale and some of those other names that ended up being there. But... For a Red Sox team going into another era competing, he was an important, very important voice in all of that. He was. He was. And uh, I think it was cool. Um, I don't know that, that he would mind me sharing this. Um, I, when I made my MLB Network debut uh, last April, whenever that was, um, he reached out. And he said, cool seeing you on TV and moving up in your world. Dopest part about it was your kicks yesterday. Super fresh. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> like that. I've always like I even though he's retired, maybe that there's more opportunity there to have the conversation. I would fucking fly to wherever he is. I think he's maybe in the Nashville area. I would love to just sit down and have that conversation with David Price and talk about his life in baseball and everything in between because he's a fascinating person. Like he's a fascinating person beyond like just the pitcher. I'm sure he's got great baseball stories, but David Price, the guy has got to have some things that he wants to say. And I'm sure that he's got other people in sports media that he has a relationship with but as far as like guys that have followed it from draft day till retirement uh and had his back through the ups and downs without turning on him that's got to be a short list that's got to be a short list and on top of the stuff he's done off the field like he was one of the i still remember maybe the first thing that comes to mind about david price outside of that 18 world series the money he donated to all those minor leaguers and the dude yeah. was like, don't publicize it. Don't tell anyone just like these guys are fucked. We know where COVID is and everything. Let me try to help, you know, over 200 guys. And he did that yeah. behind, you know, doors and it still came out, obviously. But that's who that guy was a guy who how many aces do we watch aren't willing to move to the bullpen when they realize maybe the stuff isn't where it once was or, you know, you're on a team like the Dodgers that has better options at this point. Dude yeah. went to the bullpen and never fucking said a word about it. Went and did the damn no. job. And he was good. Like, that's a professional. It's very solid. Everything you could ask for in that spot. Yeah, and he was good. And uh, the other thing, too, he stayed loyal to Vanderbilt. So when they built their new facility, I'm pretty sure he donated a large sum of money to the construction of the new facility, plus 
they added like a veterans clubhouse. So for for their graduates that uh, like I'm sure it's for all alumni, um, but it's they made it with the former big leaguers or current big leaguers in mind. So like the Sonny Grays and the Mike Estremskis of the world, like when they graduate or get drafted out of Vanderbilt and they want to come back and work out or come to visit, they have their own locker room there. And I'm pretty sure Price paid for that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I that's in addition to the Clay Buckholtz conversation, like that's always been the one that I felt like should have happened that for whatever reason didn't like I, I think. You you rewind back to the price uh, press conference, which was like December of 2015. If you were to watch that unfold, and then tell me that that's the last interaction that we have, during, like he just signed a seven year deal with the Red Sox, introductory press conference. That's all you're gonna get. Like that's it. So, um, yeah, I, I think. That's the similarity, though, with Clay and uh, Clay and uh, David. It's like two guys who, you know, were kind of maddening for media at different points because you felt like maybe there was more there or they weren't getting to the levels you would hope. You know, Clay always hoping he was going to become that top of the rotation arm for years consistently. David Price, are you going to be the true number one ace you were? You know, in the first half of your career, never felt like you got that level from him. It, that's the reason you had to go get Chris Sale, right? Like, it mm-hmm. always felt like he was, all right, you know, a solid number two, number three, uh, and would pitch like a number one some days, but you couldn't do it consistently. But that got the media and fans, a lot of them turned their back on them at one point in time. And say what you will, Clay stepping up in 2013 when he obviously, you know, wasn't fully healthy doing his thing. Uh, you know, 2007, we know the no-hitter. You go all the way to David having his moment in 2018. I think there's just scars on some of those guys. And some people, it leaves a good taste. Some people, it leaves no taste. But I don't know. For those guys, they were never super open in certain aspects during the career. Price would speak his mind, right? But I think there were also other ways he was very guarded. And I I think that's where you find a lot of that, where they're not going to open up and tell you exactly all their feelings or how they were during those stretches. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't share it. I will save it for the day that I do get to interview David Price. <clears throat> but there was a there was a message that Price sent to me while uh he was a free agent meeting with teams that I've always wanted to ask him about but never got to ask him. Uh um, This was before he signed with the Red Sox. Correct. Correct. This was in, I'm looking at it now. November 29th, 2015. Um, yeah. So he, 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 uh, he didn't, he did, he, in 2015, he asked me not to share it. So I, I will respect that. But I think now that he's retired, I can ask him about it and then he can tell the story. Um, if we, if we ever sit down, I don't know. I don't know. He's kind of like, uh, like that's one of those guys that I like, I'm afraid to even ask. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get the no. Cause then it's like, oh man, that sucks. Like <laughs> I would rather, I would rather it never happen. And I never ask. Cause it's always like, ah, oh, well the possibility was there then to ask and get the no. And then it's like, well, you, now, you know, it's never going to happen. 
that would suck. I wonder if there's a period of time you need to wait. Like Clay, I'd be like, yeah, it's been enough time. Yeah. For someone like David Price, does it need to be a couple more years before you get to that point? Well, I I mean, nothing ever went wrong. It it was just that he... No, just just in terms of like, are you far enough away from it to, you know, open up about it and, you know, be that vulnerable over it? I mean, I, I think... You know, him reaching out last year um, goes to show that the relationship, like the, the uh, you know, like a real recognized real type deal because we didn't connect until 2013. Like, it's been a long time. Like, it's been 10 years. Um, but who, who knows? Like, maybe maybe he's just at peace with everything. Maybe he doesn't he doesn't care to talk about his career in a long form type interview. Maybe he just wants to just let it be what it is. I don't know, but I would love to find out, you know, that I, I haven't thought about this in a while. So now that we're talking about it, maybe it's something that I can revisit. Um, as we work through the next couple months, it may not be a bad idea if we yeah. can mix some stuff like that. in, right. I think maybe yeah. people would be go through the good times a little bit. Yeah. Cause I know I, I, people have been saying to me, like, oh, you like you're getting all these interviews with players out of town, but you guys aren't interviewing the Red Sox. It takes two to tango. And and I saw the the Reddit thread about like, oh, are you, are you on the outs in the clubhouse? No, it's just like I I had this conversation with Heim on Tuesday. Uh, I I had a conversation with Heim because I forget how we even like got on the topic of like media. Like we were talking about like regional coverage versus national coverage. Like how do I like what Jared, like, how do you act in certain ways? And I was like, it's not like I'm the same Jared, but it's a different approach. I was like, when I go over to the road dugout, like everyone is super friendly, super nice. They're happy to see you. And then you go to the Red Sox dugout. And it's not that they're not nice, but when you're the home team, you have your routines. Like this is your home. Like you, you, I do this at this time. I do that at that time. Like no one's just hanging around. Like on the road, guys are just hanging around. So is more difficult to to get a, a Red Sox player to sit down when it's like, well, th- this is the time that I usually eat my lunch or like this is the time that I'm in the, in the tub or whatever. Or like I take a nap at this time. Like they've, they're very routine oriented beings. Um, and then so you throw in everything going on with the team currently. Yeah, but that's kind of what I said was I, I said, you know, I've used this example a bunch of times. In 2019, I went to Denver. And the Rockies were like fucking 50 games out of first place. And I got seven interviews. That's when I met Trevor Story, got him. Nolan Arenado faced the franchise. Charlie Blackman, like all these guys, like all of their top names. I got all of them in one day on the podcast, like the equivalent of coming in and getting Bayo and Devers and Verdugo and Yoshida, like all these guys like that in one day without having a prior relationship with anyone except for Nolan. That was it. So it's just, it's just different here. And I, I tried to explain it as this market, you, you're not allowed to be happy. If things, if things are not going well in the field, you're not allowed to be happy. You cannot sit down with me and laugh and have fun and talk about, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? And like, you know, what's your favorite? Like, what would be your walk-up song if you picked a guy, whatever, like a, a, a movie theme song? Like, that's stuff you're just not allowed to do in Boston, I guess. And it's still that way. Like, you would think that it would, if it would start to turn because it used to be you couldn't have fun if the team was bad because sports radio would crush you 
But now sports radio doesn't even care about baseball. Like they don't even like talk about it. But I guess like that would be the one thing that they talked about. Like that the only time that they want to talk about baseball on sports radio is to like crush the players or Dude Costas has been getting his dick kicked in in sports radio for a month now. About what? Was there a say? about He's those a- com about those comments about him, you know, after Core came out and said, you know, we're going to give him a little less time. Those comments have been almost a daily mention on the sports hub since they happened. Oh my god. But that's what it turns into, right? And then you wonder, like, why guys don't want to talk, right? Which I I get it. It's like you don't want to become the headline at 2 p.m. the following day. Because then, you know, then you're getting in your car and you're listening to yourself get shit on as you're on your way to the ballpark that day. Yeah, maybe. that It is such a weird existence, like, doing the media thing. Because, like, if I'm on Sports Hub and I'm talking with Tony and... You know, we're 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 shooting like it's it's a real baseball conversation and it's hardly ever positive on the sports hub. If we're being honest, Uh, we're not like Tony's not a tire pumper. And I respect that about him. Like, that's why that's why we go back and forth so well. Uh, But like I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, like who's you don't know who's listening to this. Like, you don't know who maybe heard something that you said on the radio. And as I mentioned earlier, they're not going to say shit like no one. No one has ever been the guy to come up and confront me without me knowing that it was going to happen. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, it usually has to be me to go be like, I'm sorry. Like, are, you, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? <laughs> like, that, that's what you have to do. Like, they would rather just like suffer in silence and, and not say anything than be the guy to be like, yo, I fucking heard you said this. Like, no one, no one ever does that. They just don't do it. They would rather just like sit in the corner and be like, motherfucking. Like, when you could just, have a conversation and, and be like, oh, you were joking? Oh, it was a bit? Oh, all right, my bad, my bad. All right, cool, man. <laughs> nice to meet you. That's it. Uh, <laughs> that's it. And, like, I, I think the funny thing is, I remember it was 2021 whenever there was a video recording in the Red Sox clubhouse, Felger and Maz was on there. Um, and I've seen it, even tweeting, like, you tweet prospects with certain players. You know, you'll see if they like one of your tweets. You'll mm-hmm. notice, like, oh, like, there's he looked for his name. <laughs> he was sick who posted his home run that day or whatever it may be. That's what it is. Baseball players are like anybody, dude. If people are talking about you, uh, they want to know what they're saying. They want to know how you're feeling them in a good way or in a bad way. Some guys feed off it in a good way. You're telling me Jaron Duran wasn't listening to everything being said about him a year ago, and that didn't lead to where he was. It, it plays yeah. both kind of alleyways here. Yeah. Yep. I bet Bale loves going on social media right now. Yeah. Brian Bale is having a fucking day every time he goes on his cell phone. Yeah. You know what? Brian Bale is probably back at his place right now, cracking open a blue moon, celebrating a hell of a night at the yard, For at least from a personal perspective. I'm praying to him in his DMs. Yeah. He, uh, he earned it. He earned every drop of that blue moon that he's sucking down right now at his place. Um, Jake, if you could be so kind as to tell the people a little bit more about Blue Moon, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Beer is a tried and true baseball tradition, but Blue Moon is the only beer brewed by baseball. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first served at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. Make it your one-of-a-kind baseball tradition whether you're at the park or watching from home. I was responsibly guzzling Blue Moons at Fenway Park this week watching this shit team take the field. I was sipping on Blue Moons Wednesday night pre-rain delay, during the rain delay, And I sure was sipping on Blue Moons after the rain delay when the Red Sox puked all over themselves immediately when they came back. And I was sipping on Blue Moons Thursday night at Fenway Park watching Brian Bayo shove it up the Marlins' ass. Would have enjoyed those Blue Moons a lot more if we could have scored one fucking run. (sighs) 
and bullets fucking dead. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one of a kind? It's bold flavor, bright color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a one of a kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Keep baseball traditions alive with Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Um, Whitlock? Yeah, what do you got on Whitlock? I think I think my 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 take is that I think people uh people it's it's a knee-jerk reaction right now to say put him back in the bullpen. Like it's like the dude the dude I don't want to say consistent, but the dude has been good to good enough. Um Good to good enough uh, out of the rotation since coming back from his injury where um, one bad start and you want to put him back in the bullpen like that's that's not how baseball works. No. And once again, it's what's the point of this year? It's figuring out what these guys are. And, you know, some people were like, well, look, back to back clunkers, seven innings, four runs like that. That didn't feel like a clunker to me personally. I thought this was really his worst start since the one against Milwaukee, which is where he got hurt. Um, You know, some people may mention the race start. There was some bad defense in there that really killed him. And this start, he kind of did a reverse, but it was basically the same thing as the start before last start. He threw away the sweeper because he had no feel for it. And he basically became a two-pitch pitcher. And it, it was between the sinker and the changeup. And this start, he threw the changeup away. He threw 10 total. And all we've been talking about since he came off the IL is that changeup, right? It's like, oh, they found the velocity band that works well for him. It looks like they figured it out. He got one whiff on it and went away. Mm. Heavy, heavy sweeper after that. He threw 28 total. So guess what? Yeah, he switched and leaned on the sweeper in this start instead of throwing it away like he did the previous one. That still makes you a two-pitch pitcher. And at the end of the day, Whitlock stuff isn't good enough to survive with just two pitches. Most guys aren't. You know, 99% of guys aren't. That's what it was. He just needs to get back so that he has both of his secondaries, and I think then you can feel in a good spot. I say if you're looking for the positive here, and while I'm not panicking, he's not missing or he's not struggling to miss bats. It was seven strikeouts, no walks. It just it continues to feel very Rick Porcello, where I think there are going to be some days where there's a lot of contact. He's going to get, you know, hits are going to fall in. There's going to be bloopers. And then he's also going to go out there some days and give you seven innings and three runs. And you're going to end up getting a guy who's a very consistent number three in the middle of that rotation who gives you innings, keeps you in games. Is he an ace? No. Is he a number two? I I don't even know if I go that far, but he should be able to kind of handle the middle of this rotation and be the workhorse they hope for. Yeah, I just I don't know. I can't I can't get worked up on. It's the same thing that you you were talking about with Casas. Like, is this a figure it out year or not? Like, you're not going for it. Um, well, look at your rotation. You don't even have five starters right now. No. The, yeah. Like, this is the perfect <laughs> time to put a starter in the fucking bullpen is when you've got an opener, uh, which, yeah, I mean, like they 
the the Red Sox gave up what nineteen hits in the series opener of this series. That was the yep. Whitlock night. Mm-hmm. Nineteen 11 from hits. him. Eleven hits. It was an off night. It wasn't a move this guy to the bullpen night. And I know Tony was talking about, and I, and I agreed with some of the points. Like, you know, you, you Garrett Whitlock is elite reliever. He's 96, 97 out of the bullpen. He's 92, 94 uh, in the rotation. And I think it, when his first, it fell apart quick, but he he punched out Arias to start the first inning, like to lead off the game. And it was 96. Yeah, so, he, he can get it up there at 96. Yeah. Like the reality is, do you want 60 innings of like a 2-8 to 2-3 or 2-8 to 3 ERA? Or are you hoping to get, 180 innings of a 350 to a 380 ERA. What what is worth more? The Red Sox are going to tell you 100 times out of 100 times, we're going to take the guy that we think can give us a mid-ish 3 ERA over 180 innings. That's three times the amount of innings than you get out of a bullpen, especially with the construction of this team, where the bullpen is supposed to be, you know, between Martin and Jansen, Schreiber, if he gets healthy, Wink. We know what Wink is right now, but the way he was pitching... Sucks. You should have enough to let that guy go in the rotation and get that value out of him. And if not, the bullpen relief option is always there. Let the guy, he's doing what he wants to do. We've seen stretches where he does it. You know, you let one bad start. Everyone who had been shutting up and was like, all right, you can't say anything about Whitlock. They come back out. The reality is you're not going to get a full picture or at least close to a full picture until we're at the end of the year. Then they're going to have to make a tough decision. But I think the FIP's like 4-3 right now. Four three four four right in that area. That feels about right for him. I'll tell you right now, the only thing that I get excited about is Brian Bayo right now. That's it. And I'm not even like a pitching guy. Like I, I'm, a, I'm an offense guy. I like homers. I don't really tweet pitching highlights. I don't tweet defensive highlights for the most part, unless it's like standout, standout type stuff. Uh, the only reason why I would like look at the slate and be like, Fuck yeah, like tonight's going to be a reason to watch. It's Brian Bale, and he no-hit the Marlins through seven innings, and the Red Sox still lost because they didn't score any runs. Like, there's no one in the lineup where I'm like, oh, this guy's this guy's at bats or can't miss. Like, Yoshida's been out of the lineup because he got hit on the wrist in Chicago against the White Sox. That's been sore. Uh, Devers has not been Devers this year. And outside of that, it's like, who, who the fuck are you watching? We're like, this, this is, I got to be locked in for this. I think Verdugo, I enjoy watching Verdugo. Am I going to tell you he's must-watch TV? That's not fair. Uh, I I get excited for Alex Verdugo. It's a guy who hits over 300. I I think he's one of the better average hitters in baseball. But but if you're telling me who I look most forward to seeing hit, it's Casas. Because I can dream on it. And I think the at-bats, I love watching him work pitchers. I I think it's a blast because, you know, he's kind of nibbling on the corners. He's going to spit on a pitch if he doesn't think it's a strike. I like watching young guys try to figure it out at the big league level. Yeah, no, I don't. Like it's not nothing's can't miss to me. No, that's not can't miss. That's something a fucking nerd fiends off of because he has nothing else to live for. You have nothing. That got dark. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have. Martha's not in the room, so let's not. (laughs) (laughs) Martha's not in the room, so I can be honest. Oh god. Well, that's why I was so upset about Casas earlier. Cora, give me a fucking reason. Yeah. Seriously. Um. I'll give you a reason to watch Max. Please talk to me. Yeah, because if you're like me, what you watch depends on what kind of mood you're in. We're all in great fucking moods. 
that's why Max is my first pick for winning entertainment. Sometimes I'm craving comedies like Friends or South Park, and sometimes I'm totally into dramas like the HBO original Succession and House of the Dragon. I also love cooking shows like Chopped and Beat Bobby Flay. And don't get me started with movies like The Lord of the Rings and Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Well, Max is a streaming destination that has the best entertainment for whatever mood I'm in anytime. And plans start as little as $9.99 a month. Max, the one to watch, subscription required. Visit max.com today to sign up. Um, we've already gone too far. It's already over an hour. I want I texted Jake and Tyler on the way to the hotel. I was like, we're doing 30 minutes. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. I between just like the nightmare travel and just like the fact that I'm here at all, I'm just in the worst fucking mood. And the fact that the Red Sox got swept and the way that they got swept in the finale. Um, just it's been a rough go. It's been a rough go. Uh, but let's uh let's look ahead here, and so then I I can eat, eat dinner at fucking eleven p.m. and and go to bed. Uh, too late for the ninety nine. Do they have ninety nine down the Cape? Yeah, legit. When I tell you down the street, the closest restaurant to our place is the ninety nine, and that's a big reason wow. why we book it. What part of uh what town are you in? Uh, West Yarmouth. Oh, are you going to see any Cape League baseball? No. What the fuck's wrong? My family. It's not me. My family, they are very, not anti-baseball, but they're not sports people. Wow. Wow. I should have came down and saw you. I thought you'd come up here and say something to me. Whoa. 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 Can we back it up here? You said it's not me, it's them. Yeah, listen, they cut. Wow. First off, I'm not letting that happen. Second off. Listen, I, I'm trying to give the family what they need. They don't have me. I'm not emotionally available during baseball season, so uh-huh. I try to be somewhat available for being present. Oh, listen, if you're going to keep talking shit, I'm going to bring up your first pitch. Go ahead. Dog, what happened? I think I got in your head a little bit. No, uh, it was it wasn't a strike, but I mean, it was it was over the plate. I don't know. I, I was it over the plate. It looked like it was in the batter box. <laughs> Yeah, throw a fucking strike next time. It was a ball. I mean, I, like I said, uh, if if you're gonna rise to the occasion and um, throw out a first pitch right down the fucking plate, like Fenway Park, that's Fenway Park, Red Sox, Yankees, Sunday Night Baseball. I did that. Um, you know, this one was uh, I was very hot. Uh, have we, have we not done a podcast since I fucking threw out the first pitch of the Born Braves game? No. Oh, okay. Did you have a chance to warm up? A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. Yeah. It was literally right before. Like when I warmed up for the first pitch for Fenway, that's what um, Eduardo Perez was making fun of me. Like in the video, he's like, been warming up since 3.30. <laughs> you never heard that video? No, I remember it. I remember it. Yeah. Um, all I'm saying is that 3.30. I'm not disappointed in you. I just, I don't know. I expected something a little bit more after the conversation we had. I thought I had fired you up a little bit. We talked about on the last podcast about just throwing out a first pitch and, you know, not that it's easy. Some, maybe I might have said something along those lines, but come on. Yeah, I, 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 same thing that happened at the combine. Like they were like, "Hey, go, go, take some swings in the batting cage," and then I didn't, and then I had to go out and fucking take BP in front of the best high school prospects in the fucking world uh, without warming up. And this one was like, I, I, I warmed up a little bit, but it was 
I don't know, 10 seconds before I had to go out there and throw a pitch. And I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making excuses right now. I'm making excuses, but yeah, I need to get, I'm I need embarrassed to get for you. Shape. No, don't get embarrassed. Don't get embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, I'm embarrassed for you, not for Why? me. Why? Uh, you just, it seems like you're kind of acknowledging some of your shortcomings here. And you know, I, as someone it, who stands next to you, I expect more. Well, I'll have you know that when I went to do the broadcast, that they told me, they were like, hey, that was the first pitch. Uh, that was the first, first pitch on the Cape this summer that registered on TrackMan because it was uh, the velocity was hard enough to register on TrackMan. So I was like, oh, good to know. Okay, Caleb Ort. Okay, Caleb Ort. <laughs> <laughs> he died. Yeah, he's dead. He's never coming oh. back. What? What? <laughs> All I know is the people who are in this area where I'm at right now, uh-huh. if you go out there around dusk, there's been a, a bigger lad, some would compare to David Wells, who's been working on a throwing program on the sand in the beach, throwing baseballs at Martha. And uh, let's just say there's a little zip on it. You can hear the seams a little bit right now. Well, I mean, we've had we've had multiple people uh, reach out and there's different teams that have offered to have you throw the first pitch and we're, we're going to do it like you're throwing. Out the first I'll pitch. do a tour. I'll, I'll do a tour. I'll hit every ballpark in the fucking world. Uh, oh my god! Um, well, that's uh, that's gonna that's gonna be a thing. So we'll keep, stay stay tuned on that. Uh, we like I said, we've had baseball teams from all different levels of competition reach out and offer to have Tyler Milliken throw out the first pitch and see how truly easy it is. Um, I mean, like I said, but my my. First pitch for the Bourne Braves was not it was not a strike. Salty could have framed it better. Uh, him, him, yeah, no, he admitted it. That's that's the first thing he said. He said I I fucked that up. Like I could have framed that better. Um, but velocity was good. I mean, you just can't bounce it. You can't sail it. And I didn't do either. I just kind of yanked it into the right hand hitter's batter's box a little bit. But um, is that yeah. your worst first pitch you would say ever? Um. I think I, 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 the first pitch that I threw for the North Shore Spirit in like 2009 or 10 was my worst because I went up on the mound and I threw it as hard as I could and I, I skipped it. Like he had to, he had to like slide into the left hand hitter batter's box and like go palms up. Like that's, I really skipped the shit out of it. But I was in baseball shape at that point. Like I, it was probably my second hardest, maybe my hardest first pitch. Um, but it was nowhere near a strike. Uh, my best first pitch ever was 2008 Lowell Spinners. It was like gas and it was a strike. And there's no film of this anywhere. Nowhere no. I can go and take notes from. No. There's just okay. the pictures. There's pictures. But I'll show you how it's done. Please do. The Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. Head on down to Stop and Shop. Use the promo code section 10 to get 10 cents oh. off. What the fuck did you just do, Tyler? I just knocked over a lot of things. Oh my god! The Is lamp, the lamps, the bill? lamps not doing well. Uh, the fraps on the floor, but you know, <laughs> I think I can shovel it back in. Oh my god, dude! You clean it up. You figure it out. All right, we got to take a break and talk about Zin nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zin nicotine pouches are already there. Zin has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, 
citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zin earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zin swag, even gift cards. Find your Zin at your local convenience store or online at Zin.com. That's Zin, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Uh, It is the Red Sox versus the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. Uh, James Paxson versus Jose Barrios. Cutter Crawford versus Yusei Kikuchi. Garrett Whitlock versus Kevin Gosman. Uh... Starting off with Jose Barrios, three eight and five with a three sixty ERA, a one twenty two WHIP, and eight point two strikeouts per nine. After an uncharacteristically awful year in twenty twenty two, he's right at the ship. Uh, his hits per nine, he's dropped those um, more than two hits per nine, so it's back to eight point three, which is below his career average. Uh, he led the American League in hits and earned runs last year, but he still has some hiccups this year. In fairness, with four games allowing four plus earned runs, uh, the difference is he's balancing that with uh, six starts of one earned run or less, including three shutout performances. Um, he has a three oh three ERA in June, but with a four eleven FIP, uh, he's allowed a home run in two straight starts and three of four. He has some wild splits this year. At home, four and one, two forty eight ERA. Uh, away, four and four, a four thirty. ERA uh, versus right-handers, 209 with a 599 OPS versus left-handers, 280 with a 787 OPS. Uh, Favors his four-seam fastball to lefties, and it gets mashed. 94 miles an hour, 302 batting average, and a 492 slug. He did face the Red Sox in the first series back at Fenway. Five and a third, 11 hits, five earned runs. Uh, The Red Sox did get the win. They hit two homers. Uh, the Blue Jays are ten and six when he pitches, but they are six and one in his last seven. Red Sox hitters two fifty four with a seven oh two OPS. Verdugo seven for seventeen. Duran three for five with a double and a homer. Okay, I see you, Jaron. James Paxton. This is the one that uh, we didn't know if he was going to make, but alas, here he is. Three and one, a three nineteen ERA, a one oh two WHIP, and an eleven point five strikeouts per nine. Um, we got to hope the knee holds up. His last start was his lowest velocity of the season at 94.7 miles per hour, but not too concerned. Uh, it was only 0.3 miles per hour lower than his previous start. Red Sox, somehow three and five when he starts. Um, he's only allowed more than three earned runs once this year. He allowed six earned runs uh, all of June in 23, 23 and a third innings pitch. Blue Jays hitters, 234 with a 713 OPS. Matt Chapman, 0 for 14 with nine strikeouts. Holy shit. That's crazy. Cutter Crawford. Or, or no, uh, Kikuchi. We'll go Kikuchi first. Um, another Blue, Blue Jay pitcher who struggled big time last year and has, is having a bounce back year. His bounce back in ERA is mostly due to his walk rate dropping from an insane 5.2 walks per nine to a manageable 2.7. Uh, his FIP this year stinks. It is 5.27 compared to his 5.62 last year. Um, his biggest issue this year has been the home runs. He's allowed a home run MLB leading 20 home runs already. That's pretty fucking nuts. Uh, he has three starts all year without allowing a home run. He has two allowing three and three allowing two. dude just loves giving up fucking bombs. 
Uh, he was lights out in June, 228 ERA, 389 FIP. Uh, he throws hard, 94, 95.2 miles per hour with his four seam. It does suck, though, which is unfortunate for him. 300 batting average, of 555 slug. I don't know why he throws it 42% of the time. That is not good. His second favorite pitch is a slider, which also sucks. 471 slugging percentage. He faced the Red Sox in that series, which the Red Sox swept. Four and a third, nine hits, five earned, two bombs. Got a no decision. Blue Jays are 11 and 5 when he pitches and have won his last two. Red Sox hitters 263 with a 764 OPS. Alex Verdugo, 5 for 10, couple doubles, 1246 OPS. Christian Arroyo, 1 for 7, but that one is a home run. Rafael Devers, 0 for 10. 0 for 10 with a strikeout. Um, Cutter Crawford. So we got to talk about Cutter Crawford, the starting pitcher. As a starter, seven starts, 30 innings, 570 ERA, 143 whip. As a reliever, eight appearances, 21 and a third innings, a 166 ERA and an 069 whip. Okay. So his name is Cutter, and the numbers on his Cutter are very bad. <laughs> it's 370, 370 batting average on the Cutter, a 593 slug. It's his second most used pitch. Uh, fortunately, he threw it a season low, 17% last start. So maybe the Red Sox are getting the data there and saying, you know what, Cutter? You should not throw a Cutter. I think you only throw a Cutter because your name's Cutter. Red Sox are 4-11 and 11 when he pitches and 1-5 and five since he rejoined the rotation. Uh, Blue Jays hitters, 378 with an 874 OPS. That's not good. Um, Bo Bichette, one for six with a double. Okay, uh, then you have Kevin Gosman, who owns the Red Sox, but, um, you know, did not pitch well as, uh, against the Red Sox this year, which was astonishing. Would it Good be times. nice to have a Red Sox uh, starter by the name of Kevin Gosman? That'd be great. Leads the American League in batters faced, strikeouts, and leads the MLB with a 254 FIP. He led the American League last year with a 238 FIP. Uh, has only allowed more than two earned runs uh, twice since May 5th, and that's 10 starts. Um, his worst start of the year came against the Red Sox. Three and a third, 10 hits, eight earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts, a home run, and got the L. It was the most hits earned runs and tied for the fewest strikeouts of the season. Uh, his last start, he went six innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, 12 strikeouts, and then took the L. Uh, his splitter is one of the best pitches in baseball. 184 batting average, 270 slugging percentage, uh, a 43.4 whiff rate. He's thrown it 657 times and only allowed one home run on his splitter this year. Pretty fucking good. Blue Jays are 10 and 7 when he starts, but they are 6 and 1 in his last seven. Red Sox hitters, 277 with a 756 OPS. Pretty respectable. Justin Turner, 8 for 22, couple doubles, couple bombs. Adam Duvall, 2 for 4. Both of those hits, bombs. Masataki Yoshida, 3 for 3 with a bomb. Okay, then we wrap it up with Garrett Whitlock. We were just talking about uh, four and three, a five fifteen ERA, one thirty two WHIP, and an eight point two strikeouts per nine. Uh, just feels like he should be better. It feels like he should be better. Um, it's great that he has two walks in his last four starts, but he's allowed four home runs and thirty two hits in the same span. All of this happened in twenty five innings. Um, his sweeper is elite. One eighty six batting average on the sweeper. On the changeup, three twenty four. On the sinker, 333. Whitlock 
uh, threw only 11% changeups in his last start, lowest by far of any start this year. Previous low is 22%, still got hammered for a double and a home run. The Red Sox are 5-4 and four when he starts, and they've lost two straight. Um, the Blue Jays hitters, though, fortunately, 171 batting average and a 416 OPS, so very low. Uh, Springer, Chapman, and Vladdy combined. Ready for this? 0 for 13 with six strikeouts against Garrett Woodlock, but I'm assuming a lot of that, or some of it, at least half of it, uh, came as a reliever. I don't have the starter versus... Um, uh, starter versus uh, reliever numbers for the Jays. But anyways, he's had success. Uh, prediction time. Jake, where are we at after a fucking Marlins sweep? I feel like... Fuck. Fuck is right. Uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody has ever been more deserving of a reverse sweep right now than the Red Sox. I agree. So you got the Jays. Jays taking all three. Got the Jays blowing our doors off this weekend. <laughs> okay. Um, Tyler, what are you thinking? I'm going to go the other way. We we saw the Red Sox clean up on the Blue Jays earlier in the year, really take them to town. I, I'm hoping in typical 2023 Red Sox. Talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are you it, saying? I, I'm a little crazy right oh now. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, I didn't I expect to hear it today. There's no fucking way I expected to hear it. We were negative about the Marlins series, right? We came out. We had one out of three. The Red Sox cleaned up against the Blue Jays in typical 2023 Red Sox fashion. I think they show up for the series, somehow scrape out two. Do I feel super confident in no or in it? No. But at this point, if they lose another series, the ground's going to start falling, uh, falling through underneath them. So I'm going to have them taking two out of three. They find a way to show up, but you got Texas after that, man. It, it's <laughs> this could get real ugly the next couple series if you don't figure it out now. I think their backs are against the wall and. They seem to show up when it's about to get really bad. Um, man, I I almost I almost wish that they found a way. Did Bayo got an extra day of rest, right? Yeah, Whitlock did yeah. too. Yeah. So. Um. Oh, and I just want to add a side note: they uh, scratched Brandon Walter at AAA tonight. Uh, they're pushing him back at least a day for right now, uh, uh, or excuse me for Friday. So I don't know, you know, Cora said they still expect Paxton to start, but something to keep an eye on. Damn. Um, wow. I went one out of three against the Marlins and I, it was, it was worse. <laughs> I said one out of three in the Marlins series. I'm tempted to go one out of three in the Jays series, but I don't even know that I feel good about that. Uh, if they do win a game in this series, it's going to be the first one. So I think Gosman's going to shove it up their fucking ass. Uh, I don't have faith in Crawford, the starter. What? You're out on Cutter Crawford, the starter? Did you, you want me to read those numbers again? Uh, I, I did. And I, I do have a little pushback. I, I think you go over those starts. It's a 471 ERA. It's a 3032 FIP. I think he's been better with that than what that ERA is. It's a 5.70 ERA as a starter. Well, yeah, but we're going the five starts this year. I think last year we agreed he had that two month stretch where he was really good last year. Mm-hmm. But this year, the first start came against Tampa Bay, right? Mm-hmm. That was June third. I I'm going one out of three. They're taking the first one, and they might not even uh, take that. 
I'm very uh, t- like, I was very tempted to join Jake in in a fucking reverse sweep. Someone needs to be the light of positivity here. I think we get a good start out of James Paxson and at least one of Whitlock or Cutter gives you a good start. Uh-huh. Yeah, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> Walter was scratched for tonight, by the way, not tomorrow. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts, Tyler? I know you, I don't want to. Don't pout, figure it out, Jared. Wow. You know what? I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> I'm not going to name oh. any names. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to name any names. Mm-hmm. But uh, someone someone within the Red Sox organization on Tuesday hit me with a don't pout, figure it out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good. Oh, and you mentioned someone you spoke to on Tuesday. Did you not? It's not the same guy. Uh, Was that the day I- you spoke to Heim? Uh, it wasn't Heim. I, Heim's got bigger fish to fry than listening to this fucking podcast. Text me, Heim. Text me. Yeah, he. Uh, I know he. He kind. I know that he. He has paid attention. He. He. Has Heim ever made a podcast reference before? Yes, he has. Uh, but I think it was like two years. I think it was like during twenty one. He did. I can it's definitely been- picture embracing Caleb Ort to you. He he would never. He's like very like <laughs> like and he operates in a, in a very smart way. Even when he's in a safe space, Heim will talk to you like there's a microphone in front of him. Always. Like he's like I won't say anything that I wouldn't say to 100,000 people. That's his mindset. Um but no, it was not Heim. But to your point, yes, Heim has made a, a podcast reference in the past. And it was, I believe it was 2021. So, um, anyways, uh, Jake's takes. I know we hit a lot on Bayo tonight, but um, honestly, just going out to the park and seeing him shove against an offense that's like top tier in the MLB right now is sick to watch. And he got a standing O leaving the field, which I was like thinking, damn, I haven't witnessed like a standing O Red Sox pitcher leaving the field in a while. So that kind of got the feels going if we're looking for anything to be positive about. Love to hear that. He deserves it. I love the fact that Red Sox fans, despite how miserable the game was and the season is going right now, will still give props to a guy like Bayo for going out there and shoving like that. So, shout out to the Fenway faithful. Shout out to you guys for still listening, even though it's uh, it's not fun times in Red Sox Nation. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts? Uh, just on the minor league side, Roman Anthony, dude, what he continues to do now, five home runs since his promotion to high A. This guy, if you're talking real deal, what's going on in the Red Sox system, have a hard time believing he's not going to be a top three prospect in the system by the end of the year. Looks like they've seriously hit on a big name here. Uh, he's going to be on every top 100 list already on baseball America. Now top 50 for Kylie. Look at that name. I can't every day that goes by. I'm tweeting a Roman Anthony highlight. This is special. This is something really to get excited for. And if you're looking for the system to replenish itself, it starts really with names like him and Blaze moving forward. All right. People people want the prospect talk. We're going to get more of that. Yeah, um, a lot more. There's good things. I'll say things are a little depressing at the major league level in certain ways. I think the farm system is taking a step forward this year that a lot of people are looking for. And we are seeing a system that's going to be consistently funneling talent for years. Whether Heim's here or not. All right. 
Uh, we will be back on Sunday after the Red Sox Blue Jays series, and uh, hope to see you then. Bye. Buenas noches, amigos.